Hello and welcome to the show. It is episode 12 of season 2 of the Failsafe Fitness Podcast. My name is Michael Joshua. I am your host. I'm also the owner of Failsafe Fitness Limited. This is my little podcast to help everybody out there learn some new exercises to use in the gym, learn a little bit more about nutrition and things that you can do to eat healthier and just be a bit more efficient in prepping your food and also season two is all about the golf life as well so we're currently in the fourth and final stage of breaking 100 so if you have missed the first three episodes of that series go back and have a listen to the previous episodes where we discuss approach play knowing your miss and obviously getting better off the tee and this week is the final stage and it's going to be all about putting. Also this week we're going to talk about the one thing in golf that everybody seems to be talking about now is the PGA Tour, DP World Tour and the PIF, the Saudi Investment Fund that basically created Live Golf that has caused so much hassle to the other tours and world golf over the last year. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that as well. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a pretty interesting one this week. I've got some good things for you lined up. Also, I'm going to let you know about my blog post and the promotions that are still ongoing until the 1st of July. We'll crack into then what I've been up to this week. And this week... Uh, it's been a fantastic week. I think the sun's been shining here in the UK. A lot of us have managed to play a lot more golf, do a lot more things outside with the kids, etc., etc. It's been a wonderful week. I've got a few new clients have come to the door. Several new clients have come to the golf performance side of things. And I really do feel like as a business and as a coach and I know as players that have come they're thoroughly thoroughly enjoying what they're doing they're learning a bit more about the golf swing they're learning a bit more about themselves they're learning more in terms of how to play better golf and how to exercise better and sometimes just even how to be a better person uh, off the golf course and it's been a fantastic week, like I say, there's been lots of new clients, we've smashed a few goals, I've fixed a few problems, the common slice has come and gone in a couple of my clients, there's a couple of clients that are still kind of having to work on a few things, but it's been a fantastic week, unfortunately I haven't played very good golf, um, <clears throat> managed to shoot a 43 Sunday, uh, yesterday I shot a 45 and didn't hit a single green in regulation. Absolutely abysmal. Um, but Himley at the minute have got, the greens are quite hard, so you're having to hit sort of a, a lower shot and let it run onto the green because even if, I mean I hit a pitching wedge into the last hole at nine and it, it basically went so high it had snow on it and still didn't hold the green. So summer golf can be very, very difficult. And especially for those people out there who are trying to break, break 100, 
knowing how to play those conditions is very tough because we've gone from what has been a very wet start of the year to now conditions feeling like you, you're trying to land it on concrete greens and it's very hard and very difficult to do so. Apart from that, it's been a, a good week. I've had some new toys to play with. I've had a few new bits and bobs as well. In terms of software for my launch monitor. So it's been a good week. I've been very, very impressed, not only with the clients that have come and have basically improved as the lessons have gone on, but also, even though I didn't hit a single green in regulation yesterday, I managed to shoot a, a score that I was shooting pretty regularly last year. I just need to shoot a little bit less. But I'll get there. I'll get there. So, straight into your exercise of the week for this week. It's an exercise pretty much everyone can do. And it's the push-up. You know, it's a beginner-level exercise. It's the, one of the most basic bitch exercises there is. But the push-up builds both upper body strength and core strength. It's got a thousand and one modifications. So beginners can start with easier versions, like doing it on a wall or on the back of a chair, on the back of a couch, onto a weights bench. You know, uh, and then we can go all the way up to like a decline with your feet on a balance ball or a balance board. And we can even put your feet in Olympic rings, put your feet in Olympic rings or put your hands on the Olympic rings to make that movement much more difficult. You know, bent knee push-ups, incline push-ups, decline push-ups, they're all varying degrees of difficulty and it's a wonderful wonderful exercise that is gonna build upper body muscle so you know shoulders chest triceps and obviously your delts in your back uh, and obviously abdominal strength and even leg strength because you know you're using your legs to to stabilize your lower half of the body while the top half of the body is doing all the work so if there's an exercise or you feel that your chest isn't quite getting there by doing the you know bench press that you think you should be doing then mixing it up with different variations of a push-up or even supersetting um push-ups with bench press or cable chest flies can help build that chest help build a more square muscle solid muscle and obviously it's going to help with your arms and your triceps as well giving them a nice workout too so don't forget this basic exercise the push-up is a very very good exercise for everyone to do doesn't matter what you are what age you are you can give a push-up a go whether you're stood up against a wall, doing it on a couch, or you've got your hands in Olympic rings because you're you're an elite level push-upper, you can get this exercise done in the gym 
and it's a, it's a great exercise if you're doing some kind of uh, little mini circuit at the end of your session to help burn some calories and build some strength in the, the arm, chest, and also build a, a nice strong core. So don't forget to do your push-ups, people. It's a great exercise, and it's an exercise that people just forget about. They know what push-ups are, and you might be able to bench 100 kilo, but can you do, you know, 10 press-ups in a row? 20 press-ups in a row? Because, you know, there are, there's a test out there that I do with all my clients where you get 60 seconds, and you've got the, the push-up and sit-ups are as many as you can do, and there's a, there's a strength and age-related, uh, you know, system to that. And I, sometimes I have found that the people who bench uh, quite a lot, quite a heavy weight, do tend to struggle to do a lot of reps. You'd expect them to do at least, you know, 10, 12, 15 in a row. And they get to about 7 or 8, and even though they're quite strong, they do tend to struggle because they have a weak tricep or, you know, their rear delts aren't used to having that pushing force. Because they're flat on a bench and those delts are only being used to stabilize the body while the arms and the chest do the work. So give push-ups a go, add them into your routine, do them at the end, or do them as a superset alongside your cable chest flies or your kid dumbbells, or whatever you do for your chest, add push-ups into your routine and you're going to see the benefit of that exercise. And not just in your chest, but in your triceps, your lower back and your core strength as well. First promo of the week then, ladies and gents. As you all know, I am a golf performance coach at Himley Hall Golf Centre in the West Midlands. Every Sunday morning, 11am, £5 a head, come and see me. I've been taking group sessions I'm teaching one thing a week all the way through this month. Up until the 2nd of July, this is going on. We've already had some very good weeks. And this week I am going through how to use less loft the closer you are to the green. So a lot of people out there have got this PGA Tour attitude to chipping around greens. And they see the likes of Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy using a 58, 60 degree wedge. And they're flopping it up and flying it high and spinning it in. And a little nippy, nippy spinner to get it stopped right next to the hole. And unfortunately, we are mere mortals. These uh, ladies and gentlemen on the tours have spent hundreds and thousands of shots perfecting that technique with those particular clubs and for us pure amateurs I see so many people try to replicate what the tour players do with a 58 and 60 degree wedge and they're either the blades getting dug in and they're, they're, they're literally blasting it through the green or they, the, they've got the wrong bounce for the conditions on their club and they're bouncing the ball into the ball and crashing it through the green as well. Or they do the it fully digs 
and they pop it out the top and it goes about six feet and they're still not on the green from 12 feet away. So I took it upon myself to teach what I consider the Lee Trevino method. So Lee Trevino from about 15, 20 yards used to take, takes a little bit of loft and every five yards or so he gets closer, he takes less loft. I do apologize if you can hear my laptop, it's having an absolute benny at the minute. I don't know what's wrong with it these days. I've only had it a few months and it already seems to feel like it wants to overheat. Man, that's absolutely horrendous. Yeah, apologize about that. The uh, laptop's trying to kill itself. But yeah, Lee Trevino uses less loft the closer he is to the green. So if he's right next to the green, he's just got the fringe to go over. You've got a couple of options. You can use a hybrid. You can use your putter. Or you can use like a, a six or seven iron like a putter just to hop it over that fringe and get it rolling towards the hole. And then you go five yards further back and you're looking at maybe eight or nine iron. And again, you just want to hop it onto the green and let it roll up to the hole. And then five or so yards further back, you're looking at a pitching wedge, maybe a gap wedge. And then once you're 20 yards or so out, then you can add a little bit of loft. A little bit more loft, such as a, you know, a sand wedge or a 58 degree to, get, to, to throw it further to the hole. And these are all skills we all need to develop. So as I say, this week I'm teaching that, so less loft the closer you are to the green, get you working a little bit better around the green instead of taking a couple of chips to get it on the green I mean half the time people think oh I'm, I'm short-sighted I'm going to take this 58 degree I'm going to chip it eight feet it's going to stop within a couple of feet and like I say they dig the blade in it just hops up doesn't make the green or they, they they use too much of the bounce the ball gets bladed halfway through to the next tee box so I'm teaching people how to just get that ball on the green and running as quickly as possible, get it rolling up to the hole. And sometimes if you're short-sighted, not even worrying about where the hole is. If the, if the ball's at the back of the green or the ball, or the, the flag, the ball, if the flag is at the back of the green or the flag is at the front of the green, then it's a case of you just want to get it on the middle of the green. Get yourself putting. First things first, from inside that 20 yards, or inside that 20 feet is literally just get it on the green so you've got a chance at a putt. So this Sunday, if you want to learn all about that and want to improve your greenside play, come and see me, five pounds per person, 11 a.m. Sunday morning, Himley Hall Golf Centre. Moving on to your nutrition advice for this week. And it's something that's popped up quite regularly in some of the emails. Next week I will be doing uh, your questions answered. So three golf questions, three nutrition questions, and the three exercise questions or training questions that have been the most popular through the emails over the last few weeks. 
I'll be doing that in episode 13, which will be next week. But this is one that I thought I'd address now, uh, is protein. Three sources of protein, doesn't matter what diet you're on. You know, source of protein that's going to be good for that diet. So obviously the first one, if you're a meat eater and you're an everyday lover of all things dairy, you can't beat an egg. You can beat an egg. Quite happily, go beat an egg. It's wonderful. Go and get yourself some scrambled eggs, you know, fried, poached, however you like them, pancakes. Eggs are a wonderful source of protein. We use a hell of a lot of an egg. I think it's about 95% of an egg. Uh, that you eat gets used by your body the proteins in it get used by the body for one function or another so eggs are an essential source of protein if you're looking to build some muscle and maintain some muscle so get yourself some eggs if you are of that diet if you're a v uh, vegan if you are a vegetarian then something along the lines of uh, chickpea uh, which is great so get yourself uh, quite a bit of uh, hummus is a great snack you can get quite a lot of protein for from hummus so chickpeas if you're a vegetarian and if you are a vegan there's plenty of options out there for you but one of the the easiest ways and one of the healthiest ways to snack is probably granola so you get about 10 grams per cup of granola so if you have three cups of granola a day, maybe one for breakfast, one as a, one as a snack at lunch, and one as a snack after dinner, then you're getting 30 grams of protein and you're getting quite a nice, sweet, tasty snack as well. Chickpea as well, if you're, a, you're a, a vegan, can also be quite good. I mean, it's 20 grams per half a cup of protein. And that's where sort of vegans and vegetarians tend to fall down a little bit in terms of protein but vegans granola and chickpeas are a great source so go out there people that's your nutrition advice for this week is protein is essential for keeping muscle repairing muscle if you've been to the gym had a hard day at work so eggs are great if you're uh, you don't have any issues or whatever with your food then eggs get plenty of eggs in your system you know, pancake for breakfast and a couple of boiled eggs with your dinner, your lunch and a salad. Fantastic way of getting some protein in your system. Chickpea and for your hummus, etc. is going to give you 20 grams per half a cup. And obviously granola is a wonderful way, if you're a vegan as well, to get some extra protein in whilst having a nice sort of sweet and crunchy snack. So go and get yourself one of those three things. There are three great sources of protein. Add them into your diet and let's keep building some muscle together, people. Moving into the Breaking 100 series. I know this is going to be a, a short, sharp one this week. But the golf side of things is a passion of mine. And... We've come to the end of the Breaking 100 series that I've been doing over the last few weeks. So we've dealt with approach play. We've dealt with 
struggles off the tee and we've dealt with picking your miss so this week is the dreaded three pot and more so these are the three ways that you can work on to avoid three potting the first one and I see this quite a bit is that little 18 inch two footer and people tap it blast it by pull it push it so what I want you to do next time you're out on the golf course or next time you're about to go out for a round these three drills can be done in the space of two or three minutes so go and grab yourself four golf balls pick a hole and what you're going to do is the your putter grip putter grip from the hole place a ball around the hole and i want you to hold all four and once you've hold all four three times in a row you can move on to the next drill so take your putter grip Put it next to the hole, away from your hole, one one side, one the other, one left, one right, one above, one below. And those are going to be about that little 18 inch two footer putt that I, I see you miss all the time. And those are the nervy ones, especially when it's, you know, match play or it's for a par or it's even for a birdie. I've seen so many people miss them. I want you to have a nice firm stroke at the back of the cup straight at the back of the cup nice and firm so it probably you're looking so it goes about halfway to the next ball that's what you're looking you're looking at hitting the pace so what you've got one ball low one ball high that ball that's high you want to be aiming probably about halfway to that ball that is high so give it a nice firm stroke through that ball to the back of the cup and hold those small putts because those are the ones that really get us when you've missed a putt from that range and you go i've been silly there so four balls once you've hold all four three times move on to this next drill and this next drill is go and grab a wedge so your your shortest wedge which is probably going to be a 56 58 60 degree put the wedge head in the hole and again one left, one right, one north, one south of the hole. And I want you again, this time I don't want you to hold them three times. I just want you to hold all four putts. Once you've hold all four of those putts from what is basically three feet. So we've gone from about 18 inches to three feet. And then your next drill is move to the side of the practice green. Now, if your practice green's really long, obviously don't go whacking the golf ball 60 feet. But if you've got a part of your practice green that's about 15, 20 feet long, I want you to go from fringe to fringe. So I want you to take those four golf balls and I want you to basically lag put to the fringe I don't want the ball on the fringe I want it on the green from green side to green side if your ball goes off the fringe of that putting surface I class that as a defeat but if the ball stay 
if the ball is about a f half a fringe or a fringe away from the fringe, I'd class that as a good putt because you know that fringe is about 18 inches, two feet. Well, you've just hold nine, uh, nine. You've just hold 12 putts in a row from that distance, and from double that distance, you've just hold four putts in a row. This, these three drills done consecutively are going to build your confidence to go out on the golf course. You may find you've got a hole on the putting green that is dodgy. It's no, it's not been well maintained. It's been well used, and you may miss a few. But once you've done these drills, so a grip from the hole, hold them all four putts three times in a row. So that's tw a hole twelve putts. I mean, you can just say hole eight. Once you've hold eight in a row, move on to the next drill. Wedge in the hole, same setup. So you've gone from 18 inches to about three feet. And then from three feet, all you're going to do is go side to side, fringe to fringe. And as long as it's within a fringe length, you know you have the confidence on course to go and hold those putts. And that is my tip for breaking 100 this week. The three putting tips that when you are warming up to go out and play golf these are going to give you the confidence out on course because you know you've hold eight on a row on the putting green you know you've hold four in a row from three feet and you know from 15 or 20 feet you've put it inside you know three two or three feet and you know you've got the confidence then to go and hold those putts it's a little confidence builder and and the better you are at doing these drills the better putter you'll become and you'll eventually well i'm not going to say you're going to completely eliminate three putts but you will see a lot less three putts during your round because you have a feel for how to hit a 15 or 20 footer a feel of how you're going to hit that little tiddler to get it in the hole and a feel of how you're going to hit your three foot putts as well so go out there people go practice that and let me know how your game gets on final promotion of the week then again as we've been going through this month <coughs> it has been an interesting month i extended it through till the first of july and that's now counts for everything. So promo is three four two. If you want to book a three for two session in person for the golf performance, personal training, or nutrition and weight management, that is now on till the first of July. So twenty pound a session, maximum of six uh, nine sessions for the price of six. All payable in advance. If you do want any personal training, any fitness training, nutrition and weight management advice, or golf performance training in person, please use the links in the description. Get in touch. We'll get you booked in. Space is getting quite limited now with summer just around the corner. But do get yourselves booked in. Golf performance is getting busy too. But... Come and see me. We will fix your game. We will fix your nutrition. We will fix your fitness. 
make you a better person on and off the golf course, in and out of the gym. So come and join me. The final thing I want to talk about today, it's just my thoughts on the situation. It's something I spoke about at the start of the year and I haven't really done since. The news broke this week that the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Saudi Public Investment Fund had come to an agreement to create a new entity. And that new entity turns the PGA Tour from a non-profit to a profit organisation. Which firstly, you know, PGA Tour hasn't been a for-profit organisation since its inception. And now it is going to be for profit. So that turns it on its head and that turns it into a corporation that's going to probably get a little bit greedy. The DP World Tour is the one that I feel sorry for because they were struggling. They were struggling to keep hold of any of their stars. They really were struggling to keep hold of any of their stars. They were all going to the PGA Tour because nobody wanted to stay on the DP World Tour. When Live came about, they strengthened their position with the PGA Tour. They just won a court case against the Live golfers who sought litigation to, to play on on that on those events. But after they lost that, apparently the PIF and the PGA Tour got together, had, had a little discussion, and basically the PIF have got so much money, they could drag this out for years and years and years to come. And the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, etc., don't have that kind of money backing them up. And this merger, I think is getting a little bit muddied, in my opinion. Because... The PGA Tour, Monaghan, Rory and a few other players said, I don't want to have any part of Saudi money. It's dirty money, I don't want it, blah, 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 blah. Monaghan even used the, the victims of 9-11, which is crazy, uh, saying that you know it was Saudi nationals that, that, that started that, that did some of those attacks and they shouldn't be taking the money. The human rights record, etc., etc. Now, 12 months down the line... PIF are basically funding the PGA Tour, they're funding the DP World Tour, and they fund Live Golf. So they have basically sports washed an entire sport. It's what they've tried to do. I mean, they've, they have their fingers in Formula One, and you can tell the Formula One... I'm a big fan of the sport, but I, I just think... There's too much politicalness, which has always happened in Formula One. But the likes of, of companies like Porsche, etc., want to come into the sport. But Formula One management and probably the, the Saudi side of things don't want them in. They want to keep the money for themselves, they want to make a big profit. And it's a sport. If it's a sport where no one comes in, no one comes out, and there's no. There used to be qualifying back in the 80s, there used to be 20 or 30 teams for a 
20, 20 or 25, 24 team race trying to qualify and now there isn't there's just 10 teams with 20 cars and it's quite it's getting a little bit boring and the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour strengthened their conditions and even just a few weeks ago were saying that these guys you know when they when their contracts run out and then Kepka went and won the PGA and I think that changed a few people's opinion of we miss Brooks Kepka, we miss Bryson DeChambeau, we even miss Phil, even though Phil is not a very nice person by all accounts, he's still a guy that the fans have a lot of wow factor for. And my opinion is is a little weird because the DP World Tour got bought the European Tour got bought by DP World or changed to the DP World Tour this year. Only in the last sort of few few months, last twelve months, and they were losing their players, the big name players, to the PGA Tour, which has always been a stepping stone. And it used to be, you know, the European Tour was quite popular, and the PGA Tour was was there as well. But a lot of people, they had a choice to make: they'd stay in Europe or they go to the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour has obviously become the number one tour in golf. And everybody wants to be on there because they can earn some serious money, thanks to Tiger. And then the DP World have taken over. And I don't I think DP World Tour and PGA Tour, DP World's just not, it's not a world tour. It is a world tour, but it's not a world tour. They barely have any major stars. And not, nothing against everybody of the guys that are on that tour. But they can't attract bigger players. They had to align themselves with the PGA Tour to even be relevant. So the likes of the Genesis Open, Scottish Open is going to be, you know, it's a PGA event now. It's one of the designated events on the PGA Tour. Bringing some of the best players onto the DP World Tour. But it also devalues the fact that the players that are on the, on the DP Tour all year round are probably going to miss out because there's... 30 guys or 40 guys coming from the PGA Tour taking their spots. And through most of the discussions and, and interviews I've seen, the DP World Tour is getting completely missed out of the conversation. So it's live and PGA Tour combined. and It's not live. Live have absolutely nothing to do with this deal. The Saudi PIF went to the PGA Tour and said, we want to turn you into a profit organization. We will sponsor the PGA and DP World Tour, which basically saves the DP World Tour. Because that tour is basically dead. And that's a shame. Because if you look back 15, 20 years, Colin Montgomery, Ian Woosdom, Sevi Ballesteros, there's some major players, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, have won orders of merit on that tour. Some of the best players in the world wanted to play on the European tour. Now the DP World Tour is so devalued, it's having to cling on to the purse strings of other tours to even stay relevant. And now the PIF have bought into the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Saudi Investment Fund own every single golf tour on the planet that's probably relevant to world golf. 
no offence Asian Tour you've got some good players but yeah you know I can't really speak for that I don't see enough Asian golf um, but everybody wants to be on the P PGA Tour and Liv took some big players with a lot of big money and the European Tour is or DP World Tour, most of the players have gone to the PGA Tour because they want to earn money. Now, the thing is for me that the Public Investment Fund are going to underpin all the tours in golf as a sponsor. PGA Tour goes to profit, which means that they own the DP World Tour, they own Live, and they kind of own the PGA Tour even though the PGA Tour remains in control of all three so that's a lot of logistics that needs to be worked out the guys that went to live and took the money must be laughing their bums off because they've taken 100 million, 20 million 30 million, whatever the hell it is to go play live but now they can come back to the PGA Tour and DP World Tour without there's going to be some repercussions of that but I don't think they're going to be as severe as you can't play on the PGA Tour for three years they went to sign a contract some of the, I mean some of the guys have buyer's remorse I'm pretty sure Brooks Kepka does I'm pretty sure Bryson DeChambeau does so it's an interesting situation where Monaghan I think has got to go I think from a PGA Tour player's perspective, they were told it would never happen. They won't take Saudi money. Uh, you know, they were all taking dirty money to go to live. And now it's a case of that same Saudi money is going to prop up the tour that you're on. And I think Monaghan and the guys, the head of the PGA Tour, realized that they couldn't fight the vast amounts of money that are available. So that, and like Rory said in his interview earlier this week at the Canadian Open, he's resigned to taking the money. He's just going to have to take it. The, the Saudi money is underpinning the tour. He's going he's gonna to have to accept that. He's got no choice. Everybody's got no choice. But I think they do have a choice. I think the players were lied to, for one. You know, they were told one thing and all of a sudden something else has happened. So how can you trust not only Monaghan, but the guys above him, the guys who are actually in charge of the PGA Tour? How could any of those players trust any of those guys? And the fact they, they should all be compensated for the fact that they were loyal to the PGA Tour. It's a very difficult situation. There's a lot of ins and outs in terms of what's going to happen the thing I'm concerned of as a spectator of professional golf is the fact that the whole organisation of the sport has to change I think the DP World Tour European Tour, whatever you want to call it needs to have more designated events with more players from the PGA Tour coming to them I think the PGA Tour did the wrong thing this year in announcing there's X events, so is it 7 or 5 or 10 events that are going to be no cut 
I think that's wrong. I think there should always be a cut in golf. Doesn't matter whether it's 54 holes, 72 holes, or 90 holes. I don't care. There should always be a cut. There should be some consequence to playing badly at a tournament. And I think that's the thing that Liv got wrong, which is the reason why Liv, for me, is just not interesting to watch. Because they're just being paid to be there. They don't even doesn't even matter if they win or not. They're still going to get a lot of money. Whereas the PGA Tour, people spend you know like Michael Block a few weeks ago at the PGA spend a lot of time trying to get onto or trying to make a cut at a major tournament. And when they do, that's a great story for golf. And I think golf being underpinned by the PIF and having not one but three separate tours to deal with and the ins and outs of that is going to be so mind-blowingly complicated. Can you see uh, you know, Rory playing on the cliques, for instance? I can't. And I can't see Kepka and DeChambeau wanting to play golf on the PGA Tour every week because that's why they left to go and play live. But some of those guys should have at least go to the DP World Tour and play at least five or six events on there to elevate those events. Because they're world-class stars. They need world ranking points. And that should be that. There should be The DP World Tours needs to negotiate. It's in a poor negotiating situation. But it should be negotiating to get more stars playing on its tour. And if we're going to have one company owning all of the three of these golfing events in live the PGA and DP, they should all be playing a minimum amount of events on each tour. And that's my opinion. The full repercussions we won't know until next year, I don't think. But... You know, there's got to be some repercussions for the guys that went to live. There's got to be some payoff for the guys that stayed on the PGA Tour. And I think the DP World Tour need to renegotiate aggressively on what they get out of this. They need to have more world-class stars, top 50s, going to their events, bringing some value to that tour. Because if they don't get that now... I see by 2030 there won't be a DP World Tour. It'll just be the PGA Tour and live. And that's what frightens me most as a fan. We've already lost the Euro Pro Tour in Europe, which was a great avenue for golfers to get onto the European Tour, DP World Tour, and then further on in their careers. So to lose a tour like the DP World Tour, which could, I think still is a potentially going to happen inside the next five years it's frightening and as a fan that's frightening because you want to see good golf there's some, so many good players I mean the only other option is that it becomes a world golf tour so a PGA world golf tour that encompasses all those events and everybody gets the opportunity to play multiple events one in America one in Europe and you know the top 70 have to split they have to be in Europe one week and, and America the next 
something like that. But the DP World Tour need to negotiate aggressively, otherwise they're going to become completely irrelevant to world golf. And that would be the biggest shame, in my opinion, of this deal. And that's my thought of the week on that. I thought I needed to get my opinions out there, whether they're right or wrong. I don't think anybody knows anymore. But that has been this week's show. Thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great week. Get in touch if you want to improve your golf. My name has been Michael Joshua. It's been a pleasure having you listen to my little voice over the last 45 minutes. I shall see you next week. Your questions answered. If you do want to send some questions in, link is in the description. Have a nice week. See you then. Bye-bye.